Hello, my name is Josh. I'm Jamie. And welcome to your Conversation with Two Geeks, the podcast where we talk about movies, comics, and everything in between. Today we will talk about everything from the Oscar nominations to our thoughts on the series premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and much more. And also, feel free to follow us on all those social media pages. We're on Twitter at Convo with Two Geeks, and we're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. Also, if you feel like emailing us about anything from this episode or previous episodes, we're at conversationwith2geeks at gmail.com. We will leave a link to our Anchor homepage that has links to all of these in the show notes. And please feel free to leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. How are you today, Jamie? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good for the most part. So moving on to our first topic for the day. On Monday, the nominations for the 2021 Academy Awards were announced for Best Picture. We have... Uh, the Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trials of Chicago 7. For Best Director, we have Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fenning for Promising Young Woman. For Best Leading, um, for best Actor in a Leading Role, we have Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Ullman for Mink, and Stephen Young, aka my boy Glenn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Walking Good Dead Steven. fan. Yes. <laughs> for Minari, uh, for Best Actress in a Leading Role, we have Viola Davis uh, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrea Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for No Man Land, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. For Best Actor in a Supporting Role, we have Sasha Baron Cohen for The Child of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Owen Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and the Keith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. For Best Actress in a Supporting Role, we have Maria Bakanova for Borat Subsequent Movie Film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Allergy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and okay, I'm not going to pronounce his name for fear of really fucking it up but um i'm just gonna say the person that plays the grandmother in minari i apologize okay. i just this this is just i, I don't want to risk pr- in pronunciation issues so um yeah yeah um so yeah um anyways moving on to best anime uh, for best anime feature we have onward over the moon uh sean sheep farmageddon soul and wolf walkers for which i just recently watched Mm-hmm. Uh, for best a- adapted screenplay, we have Borat's subsequent movie film, The Father, No Man Land, One Night in Miami. Which, fun fact, um, is the same writer. The same writer who wrote this also wrote and was co-director on Soul. Oh, cool! The White Tiger, and then The White Tiger. For best original screenplay, we have Jews and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trials of Chicago Seven. For se- Professor Metography, we have Sean Bobbitt for Judas and the Black Messiah, Eric Messerschmidt for Mank, Darius Wolski for News of the World, Joshua James Richard for No Man Land, and Felden Papa Michael for The Trial of Chicago 7. For film editing, we have The Father, No Man Land, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. For best original score, we have The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, uh, News of the World, and Soul. For Best International Feature Film, we have Another Round from Denmark, Better Days from Hong Kong, Collective from Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin from Tisnia, and Kus Vaz Kyo, um, 
Kiwo Vadas mm -hmm. from Bosnia and Herklinovia. For best costume design, we have Emma Mink, Marini's Black Bottom, Mulan, Pinoc and Pinocchio. Okay, this I just recently I just learned about this like the other day from a friend of mine. I did not know that there was another Pinocchio adaptation. There, what? I didn't know that either. Yeah, I'm no, I'm, I'm confused as well, but yeah. Okay. But apparently it's an international production, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, for best uh, production design, we have The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. For best makeup mm -hmm. and hairstyling, we have Emma, Hillbilly Allergy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio again. Wow, okay. And for best, of visual, uh, for best visual effects, we have Love and Monsters, yay. Uh, the Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and Tenet. And for best original song, we have Fight For You from Jesus and the Black Messiah, Hear My Voice from The Trial of Chicago 7, Huskabai, I'm not going to pronounce this name as well. Um, it's the song um, Huskavanti from Eurovision Song Contest. I apologize for the mispronunciation. IOC, Scene from The Life Ahead, and Speak Now from One Night in Miami. Notable stumps, or at least notable stumps in my opinion, include... Delroy Lindo for Best Supporting Actor. My girl Regina King did not get nominated for Best Director, which as much as I am happy with the choices, um, the, the current choices, I, I wish my girl was on that list as well, mm -hmm. as well as uh, Director Shaka King, although Shaka is a producer on uh, Judas, so uh, there okay. might be a population prize in there, but yeah. Um, so you want... Um, you want to go first and talk about this, or should I? Um, you can go first, and then you I'll piggyback off of you. Because I feel like you've seen more of the movies than I have. I've seen a few of them, mm -hmm. but I know you'll probably have more to say because you've seen most of them. So I will just follow after you and just say what I want to talk about. Okay. I just wanted to ask beforehand because um, I... No, it's okay. If you have any thoughts. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, when it comes to this list, I am mostly satisfied. Again, I still wish for Best Director we were able to have, rather than two, three women um, nominated for Best um, for best Director, which I think, believe, is the first in the Academy. Mm -hmm. So, um, yay. yay. That, be that being said, uh -huh. I'm, I I standing, I'm standing, I I'm a Chloe Zhao stan. I'm very happy for her. I can't wait for Internals just oh man I, I i just yes yes and yes but i'm mostly satisfied with the uh, with the awards although i again i it's only eight and i really and the academy has the ability to extend it to 10 the two i really wish were able to be a part of you know the ceremony as well as like have other awards um besides the one that they were given because they were rewarded some stuff mm -hmm. was one night in miami mm -hmm. and the five bloods like you could have easily put those two in yeah that being okay. said i've seen almost every one of these movies with the exception of the father mm -hmm. and i think judas minari no my land promising young woman sound of metal and even Sh child of chicago seven are all worthy of this and like i'm very happy for i'm very happy about the choices and just oh boy this is gonna be an interesting year um as for who I think is probably going to win. 
Um, mm-hmm. My personal choice mm-hmm. is No Man Land, especially okay. after what happened with the um, Golden Globes. And I think Chloe Zhao might be winning Best Director for that. However, I could also see this see them doing the Argo thing where they kind of split that up. And Chloe's out winning for Best Director, but yet something like, for example, Judas and the Black Messiah winning for Best Picture. Mm, okay. So there is that. Um, as for everything else, um, very sad. I'm, for the most part, pretty happy. I'm happy um, that, my, again, my boy Glenn. I know. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, and he was great in Minari. And just, I highly, And for those that haven't seen it, I do highly recommend checking that one out because I really... I really enjoyed that one. I'm really happy for him. Um, I'm happy for Daniel Kaluuya and as well as Lakeith. Um, for Judas, they both did a great job, but Daniel, my man, just stole the show. I'm also really happy for Maria Baklanova because she okay. killed it when it came to Borat. And like she was kind of one of the things that made that movie work. Okay. And just the way that that relationship was going. Also, when it comes to best animated feature. So I just saw Wolf, as I mentioned before, I saw Wolfwalkers this week. I won't be reviewing mm-hmm. it, but um, I will say, um, holy cow, why have I been playing this movie off? And like, wow. it's, it's, it's that good. I do recommend it. Um, it is worth the Apple TV stuff. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, Disney, you're going to have a run for your money this year. Because I love Soul, and I imagine it's probably going to go to Soul, but just... There's gonna be a fight. Yeah. There is going to be a fight. And just like, and it's gonna be between Soul and Wolfwalkers. And Wolfwalkers had my soul, <laughs> which is funny, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, though, um, yeah, for the most part, I'm pretty satisfied with these awards. Um, I, again, I still have my picks, but um, I'm really, but yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm really curious about this, but. I'm really curious how this is gonna play out. But yeah, what do you what do you think? Oh man. Okay. First of all, yay for Steven. Yay for Glenn. I'm so excited. Um, I really want to see Minari. I'm hoping um I could do I think you have to rent it online or something and like you can watch it. Um I'm gonna see if I can try to do that soon because I want to watch it because he is amazing. Like I've only <laughs> seen him in The Walking Dead. I, I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but he's so good. Um, I'm so happy he got nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. for getting nominated yes. for One Night in Miami. So freaking excited. Listen, mm. if you haven't watched the Hamilton on Disney Plus, <laughs> this dude is insane. Oh my God. I also I want a second One Night in Miami, but. Uh, yeah, no, but... it's so complicated. But he's so good. He's like my favorite part of that whole freaking show, even though Burr is like. Whatever, that's a whole other different conversation. <laughs> um, I could go on forever. Um, listen. Um, so the animated picture, though, is going to be, like you said, it's going to be a little bit of a dogfight. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, but I saw um, Over the Moon. That's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, the Glean Ken, uh, Glean Ken, I believe, did that one. I believe that's the one with... Um, uh, Philip Asu voiced one of the yes, people. That is, in the, that. that is the Philip. Um, Philip yes. yes, that was a very good movie. That was a very good animated movie. Um, that could t- potentially be a dark, dark place. I could definitely see it going to Soul. Soul is definitely the mm-hmm. the front runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and Onward was big at the beginning of 
uh, last year too. So it's it's the, the animated picture one is going to be a little bit interesting to see what way they decide to go. I'm curious to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of these make a lot of sense. Um, it's good to see a lot of these get nominated. Um, I really want to see Promising Young Woman because like it's got a lot of nominations on here. Like it's it's it's, it's it's in a lot of the categories, so that's pretty exciting. I do recommend it um, for the for you as well as for other viewers. Um, because it is it's insane. All I'm gonna say is that it is insane. It's yeah, okay. ballsy. Um, I just uh, Emerald Fleming just she just goes for the jugular and she does not stop yeah and like yeah but yeah i mean i'm pretty excited like this is the first time i feel like in a while that i had people who actually know her being like that i actually recognize being nominated um it sucks i feel like the last couple of years i've like not have been this invested into seeing people um like i'm here to see a lot of these people so i'm excited um yeah and uh, i think it'll be good we'll we'll just see i don't know honestly since i haven't really seen any of the a lot of the best pictures i don't know um i don't feel like great like saying who i think will win i think but um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting yeah i i'm for me it's just i've seen i've seen judas i've seen again i've seen like seven out of eight of these movies and like that's pretty good and like I've, I'm, I'm rooting. I'm honestly kind of rooting for all of them. I obviously, I have a feeling Nomadland's probably going to be the big one that wins, or unless they do that whole separation thing I mentioned. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think all these are worthy, and like this is going to be a very interesting year. And also just after last year and just how everything has kind of been, I think this year is going to be interesting. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see. Anyways, cool. moving on to our next topic. And speaking of one night in Miami. In an exclusive yes. from Deadline, One Night in Miami star Kingsley Ben-Adir will play a lead opposite Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn in Secret Invasion, the upcoming Marvel series for Disney+, Plus, which takes influence from the 2005 crossover series based off the same name. According to the article, Ben-Adir will be playing a lead villain on the show. Ben-Adir is coming off his starring role as Malcolm X in the Regina King-directed One Night in Miami, which has earned him awards recognition. He has also recently played Barack Obama on Showtime's The Comey Rule. Jamie, what are your thoughts cool. on this? Uh, this is pretty good. This is pretty. This is really cool. Um, it's always great to have people who it, and it makes a lot of sense for like Marvel to keep going because of the success of Wandavision and stuff and these other shows. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and this is always going after good talent, so mm-hmm. um, makes sense to me. Um, it sounds sounds really cool. What do you think? I'm happy for him. Like, um, okay. So this was kind of, I, I thought he did a really great job as Malcolm X in that movie. And mm-hmm. I, look, I love, I love Leslie. I love him. And he did a great job as well. But I also, like that whole ensemble did a great job. But yeah. it's like, and I, I really can't pick one. Because then I, I know. That, yeah. And it's like, ugh, shoot. But I just, but I'm, ha- I'm happy for him either way. Um Mm-hmm. just i yeah no I'm, I'm i'm all in for it and like i can't wait to see what his role is going to be and stuff and yeah no i'm i'm all in i'm all in pretty much cool. but yeah anyways moving on to our next topic according to deadline peacock has picked up poker face a mystery drama starring russian dolls Na- natasha leone from ryan johnson the director of mm-hmm. knives out and star wars the last jedi 
With a 10 episode straight to series order, this marks the first TV series for Johnson, who is the creator, writer, and director of Poker Face, and will be, and who will also be executing producing alongside T Street, his production company partner Ram Bergman, and the company's television president Nina uh, Rod, uh, Rod, I believe it's Rod, um, Rodrigue. Rodrigue, yes, Rodrigue. I think, I don't know. Hopefully we're pronouncing that right. It's just like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Rodrigue. Uh, no details of the premise has been revealed, but Johnson lifts up the curtain on what the show will be about, saying, I'm very curious to dig into this fun, character-driven case of the week mystery goodness. I've grown up watching. It is my happy place, he said. Having Natasha as a partner in crime is a dream, and we found the perfect home at Peacock. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, this is pretty cool. Um. I mean, listen, regardless of what you think of Ryan Johnson, um, it's good to see him still get work. And um, he's definitely, I feel like, um, has, I think he's good. Mm-hmm. I think he's like a good director and mm-hmm. and stuff. So um, I'm interested to see what he decides to do with that. And, and like, this, is, this seems kind of like up his alley, like murder mystery kind of thing. I don't know. I just kind of get like he would be into that kind of, mystery vibe stuff so yeah he's ever really since brick um his first movie which i do recommend you all check out it has a doesn't wear levitt if you need an incentive <laughs> um awesome. he's always kind of been in this like murder mystery game and with the exception of star wars like mm-hmm. that's pretty much been most of his genre like he's mostly in the murder mystery sort of stuff i mean he did do episodes of breaking bad but that was really a directing thing but yeah no mm, like okay. I, as he mentioned in the in a statement it's like this is my this is my happy place so i'm very curious yeah. um i'm gonna make also a big confession i still have not rush, watched russian doll when i'm talking uh, and like i only okay i i think i know i i know her mostly from i think she was on the comedy central show another period which was kind of like this um uh what's that what's that english uh, what's that british show with all the um snooty people um not Downton Abbey. Sorry. Downton Abbey, yeah. Wait, she's in. She's she was involved in Downton Abbey. No, she was involved in this show called Comedy Central called Another Period, which was kind of like a Downton Abbey sort of parody. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Christina Hendricks is also on the show, and she's fucking hilarious. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, um, but yeah, no, I I still need to watch that show, but I, either way, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in for it, and like, I it's just. It's another thing where um, it's definitely seemed like television, and I'm kind of surprised Peacock got it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Peacock is trying. It's trying to kind of be that net, that streaming service where it's like it has like a free access to it, and like they have some content on there that's like somewhat appealing. Um, we'll just see how long they can keep it up because, like, I feel like since it is for the most part free, like, you can go on there and watch stuff for free, like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know how long they'll be able to keep that up without having to like pay royalties or something or like get money back somehow because they must be like having to pay something for getting these shows. Yeah, most so, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next topic. Um, per Collider, while talking with the publication Park Circle, representatives from the production company Morgan Creek, which produced such films as Robin Hood, Den of Thieves, True Romance, and much more, revealed that the studio is developed being a new Ace Ventura installment with Amazon with 
Sonic the Hedgehog writers Pat Casey and Josh Miller set to write it. In a statement, Morgan Creek said, We're pretty excited about our franchise development with The Exorcist and the Ace Ventura franchise. It's notable um, from the three million fans chatting on the fa official Facebook page for Ace Ventura that audience are clamoring for a third installment. During COVID, audiences have been have been loved with audiences have been in love and are thrilled to have beloved characters brought back with new stories. Ace Ventura will see a new day at Amazon as a major motion picture theatrical with the sign of the Hedgehog writers. It is unknown at this time whether or not the franchise's lead star, Jim Carrey, will be reprising his role of the titular character. What are your thoughts on this? This was like when you sent this to me, I was like Wait, what? I was so confused. I'm like, they're making another Ace Ventura movie? I was so confused. I'm like, wait, has Jim Carrey signed on to this? Like, what's happening? Um, these movies are freaking hilarious. Um, they're very funny. I honestly, like, I haven't seen seen them in, like, a long time. It's been, like, a hot second since I've seen one. Mm -hmm. um, but I just remember watching them and, like, just dying laughing. Um but I mean, it's very interesting that they're making one now. I mean, I'm kind of curious to see what they decide to do. I do hope that Jim Carrey comes back because I feel like you kind of can't make an Ace Ventura movie without Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. We'll just see what happens. But it's 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 interesting that they decided to make another one. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about this? I'm curious about this because, like you, I remember watching those movies and just cracking my butt off. Just, yeah, they're just hilarious and just they're awesome. And those are the movies. Um, I think also Dumb and Dumber and The Mask as well. I'm really waiting mm -hmm. for the reboot of The Mask because if you read the original source material, it is wholly different from what the movie is. It's a lot darker. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a lot meaner and a lot darker. Um, dang. Yeah, but anyways, back to Ace Ventura. Um. It, it was the thing that kind of got um, Carrie up started. So I'm really curious to see if he comes back or not. But um, the fact that they got the, some of the Hedgehog writers, which um, also, I do also want to note, they're currently filming the second one right now. Oh, okay. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what take it, what their take is going to be on this. And Amazon's mm -hmm. making a play for the comedy people. Like they just did uh, Coming to America too. Mm-hmm which wasn't even wholly theirs. They got that movie from Paramount. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's weird, because they just did Paramount Plus. That's interesting. Yeah, mm. I think this was before Paramount Plus hit, but yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting, and I'm really curious to see um, what they decide to do with this and stuff, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our next topic, in an interview with Deadline, Nickelodeon president Brian Rock Robbins went into more detail about the upcoming plans for the new studio based around the anime series Avatar The Last Airbender, saying, we are in the early stages of developing and exploring what we are calling an Avatar Airbender, Airbender universe. Uh, Robbins expands on, the, on that by saying that in addition to the upcoming animated movie, multiple TV series and multiple films are being planned to be a part of the Avatar universe. As for the Netflix series, the article states that the series was made before Robbins joined Nickelodeon, with him hinting that most projects through the Avatar Studios will most likely remain within the Viacom CBS ecosystem, with Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon being primary destinations. What are your thoughts on this? We're going to get an Avatar universe. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> um, that's like that's the only thing I take away. I'm like, oh, they have plans. 
I'm like, they have plans. They know. They, I think they know what they want to do. And so I'm pretty excited for this. It's going to be cool. Um, if it was anybody but Mike and Brian, I'd be a little worried, but it's Mike and Brian. So I feel mm-hmm. like they kind of know um, what they want to do. Like, for example, we all, most Avatar people love Avatar. And then some are like hit or miss on Korra. I love both of them mm-hmm. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike and Brian are involved in both of them. So I feel like, and Core definitely was still had, it was clearly still in the universe. Like they did a good job of making it its own thing, but it mm-hmm. still like was connected to Avatar. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just excited to see what they decide to do, whether it's movies or like shows or whatever they want to do. Um, I'm hyped. I'm ready to see what they want to do. Like, I don't know. I'm excited. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm in for the most part. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, Okay, full-blown confession, and please do not come at me. When it comes to Korra, I've seen the first season, but I but and I think this is mainly because I learned that it was originally supposed to be a miniseries, but then when the show became a hit, like Nick, mm-hmm. Nickelodeon demanded that they do like more episodes. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to like season two for four, I I haven't really I've I've seen season two, but I still need to catch up. And like, I need still need to sit my took us down and actually go through season three and four. I know what happens after four with the whole um, Kosami and uh, and um, Korra stuff. Yeah, but, but you're for, missing out on I know the I genius know. that is season three and like literally probably one of the best villains in the Avatar universe so far that they've put out. I know like, I and you know y'all know who've seen Korra season three know who I'm talking about like I know. he's no joke I know I should probably get my avatar card <laughs> my avatar no, fan it's club okay. it's revoked, okay like but... I know but yeah but seriously though <laughs> try to get I know season I know season two is kind of is controversial for stuff that happens at the end of the season two yeah. And get through that and get to season three, you'll be happy because season three is really good. And then season four is re- it's pretty good too. Like season three, season four are my favorites personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I rewatched the first three seasons of the original Avatar show during the summer. Mm-hmm. And like, hands down, best, an- best kids um, animated cartoon ever. Like, oh, it's so fantastic. And Mike and Brian are so good at developing a world dealing with characters it's like they're masters at it like i normally hate redemption arcs but zuko has probably one of the best redemption arcs in like (laughs) and i'm gonna say in like most of tv in general because it's not something because he earns it it's not something he just gives he earns it i and it's yeah. I can I concur. Sorry, I I concur. Yeah. Also, I had to make the Star Wars joke because that that was what. You... I just... I'm just I said in TV. I didn't say in movies, but I just said in TV. Well, I mean, it, it can work. It can work in both. Well, <laughs> but I also haven't seen it, and and I haven't seen everything, so I could be wrong. But like, I just appreciate that arc so much because, yeah. and I appreciate the way that it was done because he doesn't it. Because sometimes when people get redemption arts, it just kind of like try to get they don't earn it, and Zuko earns it with his redemption arc. So that makes yeah. sense. That yeah. makes sense. But yeah. 
Anyways, moving on. According to Deadline, Universal has reserved two 2022 release dates for its upcoming DreamWorks animation movies. One date being the sequel, um, for one date being for the sequel to the 2011 film Puss in Boots, which is a spinoff to the Shrek franchise. Currently entitled Puss in Boots: The Last Witch and set for a release date of September 23rd, 2022, the film will star Oscar nominee Antonio. Banderas with him voicing the titular character and will be directed by Joe Crawford and produced by Mark Swift, the creative team behind DreamWorks Animation, 2020 Smash, The Crude, The Crudes, A New Age. The film will follow Puss in Boots as he discovers that his passion for adventures has taken its toll. He's burnt through eight of his nine lives, leaving him with only one left. He sets out on an epic journey to find the mystical last wish and restore his nine lives. So surprised it's sending it a sequel immediately because I think believe this made money and it was I believe even nom- Oscar nominated not really I don't think I saw that one um like I love Puss in Boots he's very funny and like I'm a cat person so I, he's mm-hmm. awesome but and ridiculous but uh yeah I mean <laughs> this sounds interesting it'll be a good thing to see but yeah Maybe I can't honestly I can't remember by scene. I remember there was one that came out not too long after Shrek, but that could have been a short because there's been like I think he's had like Puss in Boots short, short little things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly can't remember. Yeah, no, yeah. It, the the shorts aren't insane, especially with any of the also any of the DreamWorks animated and um animation stuff. Like they do TV series, they do shorts. It's insane, mm-hmm. and yeah, the fact that they're able to get even some of the actors to come back. Is it like, is pretty crazy. It's like, like they got Antonio Banderas to sign on to this. Like that's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I'm. I mean, I was mostly referring to like the How to Train Your Dragon spinoff series. Um, I think it's kind of yeah. like Island of Burke and something like that, and like just the various series. And most of the time, they get those cast members back, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. But yeah. Anyways, moving on to some Supergirl news. According to Entertainment Weekly, newcomer Eliza Helm has been cast as a younger version of Cat Grant, the media mogul Castilla Flockhart portrayed in season one. The character will be appear- appearing in episodes five and six of the upcoming season, where according to the character description, eager to step out of Lois Lane's shadow and out from under her boss Perry's white slum, Cat chases a story to Kara's hometown of Midvale. However, this lead won't go as planned, but it will put her on a directory towards the media powerhouse we know and love. Cat, we love know and love as Cat Grant. As for anything new in this, as for anything else, um, we're still in the dark about plot details regarding the new season. Other than it will start with the original season five finale rebirth. Thoughts on this, Jamie? We're getting Cat Grant back, which is something I wanted, but it's not Kalissa. So I'm conflicted about this a little bit. But like, I want Calissa back. I want Kat back. And I want, because, like, we haven't seen her since season two. It's been a lot, well, technically since the season three premiere. But that was only for, like, five seconds. Um, mm-hmm. uh, man. They did release episode titles for the first seven episodes. Um, and... The first one is called Rebirth, which Loki kind of terrifies me. Um, also, keep bit. in mind that that was originally supposed to be the season five finale before you know yeah. COVID happened. Oh my god! Um, and they released synopsis for the first two episodes. Hmm. They have, 
which basically sounds like Kara's going to do something stupid to save everybody. <laughs> Alice is going to be mad. <laughs> and Lena's going to try to do a flex. So it's going to be, uh, I don't know. I am, I don't know what she's doing. Um, I don't know anything and it's scary. <laughs> it's like, oh no, what's happening? <laughs> it's like, I feel like I've never been this in the dark about this show for so long because I was the kind of person who would go and like try to find spoilers because I couldn't help myself. Mm. I, have no, I had no self-control back in the day. <laughs> now I'm like, I know nothing. We know nothing except for like, the synopsis we, we haven't had a trailer we haven't had anything yeah. and so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting ride to see what happens um the cat grant storyline i think it's gonna be a two-parter in the middle of the first seven episodes i think it's five and six mm-hmm. four or five or five and six i can't remember five and um, six five and six um i'm actually kind of like and if it's flashback and we get flashback, Young Car and Alex, those are always great episodes because um, mm-hmm. the younger actors do such a good job. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm actually like low-key a little bit excited to see what this does. The thing that's weird to me about this is was Cat Grant ever on Lois Lane Shadow? Like I'm so confused. The timeline of the Superman and the Supergirl stuff makes no sense to me. And she seems so much older than Lois. Like, make it make sense in my head. I don't, don't, I, I don't know. I, I, oh god, I didn't think about it. Like, if you if you think of, if you think about it for like a second, like if you try to line it up, even with like season two when he comes in for the first time, like she's so much older than them. Like, like. I, I just say Lois technically, because um, Hal is I mean, a different story. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I I really need to not think about it that hard because it's gonna make my brain explode. But I um, I, I this it, it's weird that it sounds it they make it sound like Lois is like established at the Daily Planet already mm-hmm. and stuff. And that cat is trying to like work away it, but like I thought that she was there when Lois joined. Like I don't know, I don't know. I I guess I'll just have to see what in the episode. But it, like it was weird to me, um, that stuff. But I think with Crisis it messed up the whole Superman timeline of Supergirl and stuff because like yeah, and it did. Their show is like really acknowledging the other one right now, so it's kind of weird. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah, I need to stop rambling. But yeah, no, it did, and I was trying to think about it for a second, and it broke my brain. Because it is weird. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna pretend that nothing's wrong and just go with it. I guess. <laughs> it's like that. Um, it's like that. Uh, gifs I've seen from um Naked Gun, where Leslie Nelson's like, everything's fine, everything's fine, and everything's exploding like right behind him. Like everything's fine. But, yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I guess. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um. Continuing on. Um. According to the EW, Army Wives and Power Actress Ca- Cassie. Okay. Cassie Waffall. I apologize. I apologize for the pronunciation of this name. Um. Has been cast as the titular DC superhero Naomi in the upcoming show of the same name, which is set to be helmed by Ava DuVernay and Jayla Blankenship. The perspective show follows Naomi, a cool, confident high school student who 
who um who after a supernatural event shakes her small western town to its core sets off to learn about its origins and ends up discovering her own powers in addition to uh, Walfell, three others have been cast including aliens to shield alum alexander wraiths who will start as D, a local tattoo parlor owner who knows more about the supernatural event than he wants to share. Cranston Johnson as Zambato, uh, the mysterious owner of a local used car lot whom Naomi has a tense encounter has an intense encounter that leaves her both shaken and curious. And newcomer Camila Moreno as Lourdes, a young woman with a sarcastic sense of humor who works in a vintage collectible shop and has an unrequited crush on Naomi. Oh. This is interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen, um, I, I know my dad watches Power, but I haven't seen any, um, yeah, I haven't seen any of the cast. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to remember which character he was on on Ains' Shield. It might have been in the later seasons, but I'm trying to remember uh, what character Rafe played on that. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, great for the actress. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think it sounds pretty cool. I'm glad they're casting unknowns because um, regardless, they got to get their start somewhere. So I think this is a pretty good, solid start. And the the plot sounds like pretty interesting, like the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah. And um, I've heard of Army Wives. I haven't seen it. Um, but I know it's been, I think it's been on for a while. So I think that's pretty cool that uh, she can, that she must be good if she's getting jobs and stuff. So. And like they like, regardless of the writing on the CW, I feel like the actors are always elevated to a ridiculous level. So yeah, yeah. Also, I I have high expectations for this one because this is done by Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. and like Ava DuVernay does not play around. No, no, she does she, not. Yeah, and so um, I'm 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 expecting this to be um top tier quality, but we'll see, we'll see. Either way, um, moving on, according to an exclusive from Deadline, Warner Brothers and DC Films are developing an adaptation of the popular comic book hero Armand with producer Peter Scherning set to produce via his production company, Scherning Entertainment, and will be written by screenwriters Gavin James and Neil Wyden, Widener. Originally created mm-hmm. by uh, Ken Filch and Bernard Bailey in 1940 and originally appearing in the Sargo comics, the hero had three different incarnations, with the first being Rex Tyler, who's portrayed by Patrick J. Adams of Suits fame in Legends of Tomorrow Season 2, is unknown who will be playing the character at this time. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, that was interesting. I didn't know. Wait, so did that mean that the actor was in Legends of Season 2, or was his character in Legends? Um, his character, uh, the actor portrayed the character on Legends. Oh, yeah, he's the, him. he's the guy like at the end of season one like says like hey um he's the head of the justice society in seasons in season two. Oh, oh 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 okay okay that makes more sense and that may, that explains the connection to star girl oh, okay mm-hmm. gotcha yeah especially okay. with their version. that that makes sense that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um it's interesting to see what they decide to do with that um i know there's probably a lot of story that they can go through with that so that's pretty cool what do you think um i'm all in for it um again my only exposure to this character is really the um legends of tomorrow version i think Mm -hmm. he's currently on supergirl right now but i have yet to watch the show but either way this is pretty interesting um shurning i believe was actually involved with the recent um playing the apes films oh 
okay. And he's reduced around there. So I'm really curious to see how this will plan out. And yeah, that's that's how I think for the most part. Anyways, on to our final topic, uh, news topic for the day. Per Variety, on Tuesday, a MoviePass website launched a countdown clock set to end on Monday, March 22nd, and a tagline that reads, the movie is about to start. It appears that the it appears the Movie Ventures website, which is separated from the ri- company's original MoviePass.com, was registered anonymously on February 7, 2021. However, when asked about this, Mitch Lau, the former CEO of MoviePass, said, I have no idea. It has nothing to do with me. Privately, exhibition industry insiders say they have no knowledge of upcoming plans for MoviePass. The announcement comes as movie theaters in Los Angeles and New York slowly begin to reopen after a year closure due to the pandemic. So this is interesting. Um, I don't know if this is another company doing it or anything, but okay. So two things. One, do you remember MoviePass? Yeah, I've never used a service like this, but I remember you talking about MoviePass because you had it for a while, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is interesting to see what they decide to do. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, I mean, this might actually, if this is a thing, and I don't, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pretty sure that this isn't a thing. But if this was a thing, mm-hmm. and Movie Pass was to be revived and made into a much more staple business, um, I could yeah. potentially see this as being able to coax people to like go to the movies again. Oh yeah, this could definitely become an incentive to like m- want people to go, because like the idea of Movie Pass is actually like really smart um was there i forgot if you told you probably told me but i forgot it's was there a limit on what movies you could see like i i know you probably had a limit about how many times a month you can use it i think it was, was there a one, limit on like i think it was like one like could you go and use it to see a big movie like could you go and see like a big blockbuster i think for the most part yes but i also know that towards the end they start blocking out some movies Okay. Mainly because they were running out of money and like they were, and the studios were like, hey, we're kind of not getting a cut of it. It, it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. I believe it's like one to three. You can see like, I think up to three movies a day. Oh, day. okay. Or at least three movies a week. I, I, I honestly can't remember because it, it's been such a while since I last used that. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was a whole thing. And this was right, and this was before AMC A list came out. Oh, okay. Okay. So there was, was that, but yeah, no, it's interesting. And again, I feel like it would give people a major incentive to go to the theater, especially now that everything's starting to reopen again. Mm-hmm. Knock a wood on that. So yeah. All right, moving on uh, to our recommendations for the week. You ready for the fucking Winter Soldier? Yeah, let's talk about it. All right. Um, so we start off the series with Sam helping out the Air Force as. Oh, also, spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. We are recording this the day after the first episode came out. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we'll give you enough time for people to see it before we release the episode. But just in case, spoiler we'll to, <laughs> spoiler warning. Mm-hmm. So we'll try to do this every week when we talk about it. But. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah, I, I, I need to I need I need to catch up with um I need to make a new catchy theme song for the Falcon Winter Soldier. We need to see if we can find the um what is it like the siren thing that some people use for spoiler warnings like that just says it like spoiler that we could play right in front of it. Yeah. So I can figure out how to do that. 
but yeah, no, I also need to come up with it. Yeah, but yeah, no, we we definitely could use that. I just I want to come up with a new theme song. I was because one because I was like one division. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah no, and I just I gotta think about that. But anyways, anyways, we start the series off by um, with Sam helping out uh, the Air Force with a group um, as a group led by Batroc the Lipa. Um, remember him from Captain America: Winter Soldier. Hijacks a hijacks a military plane with a high-profile hostage. Uh, this turns into an amazing action sequence with Sam flying across a canyon. Um, Sa- Sam the is action a- in this part was like movie-level quality. Oh, it yes. was nice. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yes, I, I I honestly was kind of like the edge of my seat like throughout. And this is in the first ten minutes, people. The first ten minutes. I know. Anyways, Sam is able to save the hostage and he celebrates with a buddy of his, Torres, who tells him about the Flag Smashers, who will be the villain for this season. Uh, we then go to Washington, D.C., to where Sam gives Cap Shield the Smithsonian, for those that don't remember. Cap gave um, Old Man Cap kind of gave um, Sam the shield at the end of at the end of Endgame. And we even hear like mm-hmm. audio be like, um, with Sam kind of unsure, being like, it, it feels like someone else's. Um, yeah. Ro- Rhodey, who I was... I, I had heard he was going to be in the show, but I thought it was just going to be like him towards the end, but I'm very happy to see Rhodey. Um, Rhodey asks him why he didn't take on the mantle. Sam responds saying that the world doesn't need Cap anymore. Um, how wrong he'll be later. Uh, we then we then see Bucky have a nightmare about when he killed a bystander during his Winter Soldier days. We see that he's trying to make amends for his days as Winter Soldier. Bucky goes to lunch with an old friend of his who turns out to be the father of his bystander that he killed. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam goes to see his sister in New Orleans and tries to convince her not to give up the family boat. Meanwhile, Taurus uh, infiltrates the Flag Smashers and gets defeated by one, but survives. Sam and his sister, and this was, oh god, this 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 was real. Like, this was like, oh, fuck. I was not expecting this. Um, Sam and his sister tries to go to the bank to get alone, only to be denied for it, despite the fact, and this is kind of just mm, mm-hmm. just social commentary and just it, it hit home, yeah. especially as a black man. Um, yeah. Only to be, despite the fact that the banker knew who Sam was. Yeah, it was. It was very. It was a lot. Yeah. Oh man. The episode ends with um, Sam and Sarah watching news where a politician, the same politician that was at the Smithsonian earlier in the episode, reveals the new Captain America, John F. Walker, who will be played by Wyatt Russell, aka Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. It was a good first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I like seeing Sam's sister. I like seeing sort of some of his like family life that mm-hmm. he has. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, made it kind of grounded a little bit. It was uh, very interesting. Poor, poor Bucky, man. Bucky. Oh, my gosh. oh. Like he's kind of the like, man, he, I really hope at the end of the series, they can kind of get into somewhat of a decent space place um because he at least it's good he's trying to go to therapy he's yeah. trying um i mean i feel bad but um yeah it's it, it's gonna be interesting when him and sam eventually have to start working together and stuff from the trailers mm-hmm. and whatnot um but i i really liked it um it was a very good first episode Definitely different than WandaVision, which oh, yeah, I think is good. 
because this is full on marble. Like this, yeah, this, this is not like experimental. The mean marble. tricky. This is not the mean tricky or like different. Mm-hmm. This is just straight up marble, which I think people will appreciate. Um, yeah. And it's really good, and it has like it feels like a movie, so I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, no, I'm I again just the fact that Marvel was able to get this out of the gate because um, originally this was supposed to be when we had the schedule originally. This was supposed to be like right after Black Widow, back you know uh-huh. when the world didn't go to complete shit last yeah. year. But you know, um, but yeah, no, it's just I'm very happy. I'm just this was such a good episode, and just. The fact that it just hit out of the park and there, we're only supposed to be getting six of this six episodes of this yeah. but um we might even be getting a season two uh, season two down the line but that that's a whole other thing but mm-hmm. yeah no um just um i i want to give props to uh the writer for this michael spellman i thought he did a great job and he's gonna he's also the showrunner for this and i thought he just did a great job under 40 minutes not just not only introducing us with the action and stuff but also mm-hmm. like grounding the characters with Sam and Bucky's own personal trauma and just yeah. also Sam's own inner thing. Cause we don't really see it that much because he's very jokey. He's very, yeah. uh, especially in the movies cause he's normally like very jokey, not really like comic relief level, but he's normally very quippy on like an Iron Man level. But we yeah. kind of see like his imposter syndrome sort of about taking up the shield and like- Yeah, he really doesn't feel like he deserves to. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't, yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of his journey. Maybe this season is him finally getting to a place where he's like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And stuff. So. But yeah, no, I'm going to be very curious to see when him and Bucky are going to be working mm-hmm. together because I'm definitely also getting a lethal weapon vibe from this. Yeah, but, I can see that. Yeah, and just just that whole buddy hop dynamic is just going to be beautiful. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm all in at this point, but yeah. Anyways, moving on to the Flash. Um, this is uh, season three, uh, uh, season seven. Sorry, imagine we were season three, season seven, episode three, Mother. Which I believe, I'm not mistaken, was original. Was this was supposed to be the season six finale? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, so next episode will kind of be the official start of season seven. But we start the episode off with Cisco waking up to find Barry over Iris's body, with him pleading to help her. Um, Barry apologizes to the group for his actions with the. In the previous episode, meanwhile at CCPD, phones are ringing off the hook as Eva is attacking the city via his um, mirror people thing. They call them pod people. I've been trying to figure out a term for that, but I'm just gonna stick with pod people. Uh, Sue's, okay. par- um, Sue's parents ask Joe to arrest uh, to arrest her so that way they can find her. Um, Sue, I mean, he gets called aside to to where Sue reveals herself to be an officer in the sky. Sue, she tells him that. The people that Joe just met aren't her parents. The two are then attacked by one of Eva Mirror people. Joe calls Team Flash and they figure out that Ava is prepping a large scale invasion. The city then goes to into a state of emergency with Cisco locking up Star Labs. As Barry contemplates what to do, he is pulled into Eva's office, who gives him a monologue, tearing into a psyche, and essentially gives him an offer he can't refuse. Uh, once he comes back to Star Labs, he is sitting alone where he meets the OG Wims. Um, he has yep. a conversation with him saying that the multiverse required a balancing act essentially he has all the memories of the previous wells um wells told wells tells barry to run towards love the rest of the or the rest of team flash meets wells and that's that is going on cecile and joe hide in barry's original uh, csi office 
Back at Star Labs, Sue comes in with a melted, elongated man. The two had went to go get evidence to clear Sue's name, and Eva blew up uh, McCauley's lab. Overfraff still inside, and Sue caught in the blast radius. Barry is talking with Iris when he receives a spark triggering a flashback, and it turns out Iris is the key, kind of like how Lois is the key. <laughs> Uh, and to getting his feedback, he tells the group this and they start prepping their artificial speed force. Back at the station, Joe finds an air dust and puts the seal through, opting to stay behind so that they, they can deal with the uh, officer. Who's this officer? Team Flash gets the artificial speed force running and Barry runs through and we get flashbacks of his uh, scenes with Swally, Norn, Iris, and everyone. Barry ultimately gets his speed back. Uh, Joe mm-hmm. faces against the possessed officer only to having to face the seals doppelganger. Barry, Frost, and Cisco in a pimp, uh, amped up power suit uh, faces off against Eva, but in order to defeat her, Iris goes out to t- goes out into the field and talk and talks to Eva and manages to convince her to stop her reign. She also brings back singing Camila. Eva goes back to the mirrorverse. Wells decides to go back, I guess, in either in time or through time. Um, which leads us to ha- um, which leads us into the whole thing with um, timeless wells, which is very interesting and kind of unique in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. To see his wife, Tess. Uh, the episode ends with Ralph in a robotic helmet and Sue saying goodbye to Team Flash. In a post credit scene, in a post credit scene, we see that Barry, as Barry's receiving his speed, we see that the sky lighting, uh, lighting up to multiple different color lightning strikes. I think my theory with that is that I think. I think we're going to be following some of the recent comics where a lot, where due to like a lightning strike or something, random people get um, speed powers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, this was interesting. Um, it's kind of one of those things to where um, it's weird with these first three episodes because essentially it's technically 6.5. Mm hmm. But then also, like, it isn't. So I've, I've been trying to figure out how I should judge these episodes. And, like, on one hand, I want to judge them as part of the new season. But on the other hand, like, I want it there to be a continuation of season um, six. So mm-hmm. it's curious. How do you feel about that? I actually feel... I agree with you. It's weird because they were put in a weird situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like following the season six story, this is a good wrap-up episode like a, a pretty it's not the best finale but like a decent mm-hmm. finale to wrap everything up mm-hmm. um and it kind of left on like an interesting cliffhanger with the multiple lightning stuff um and whatnot so like i dig a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. um radberry has a speed back hopefully this is the key like we don't have to deal with that anymore and like all yeah. that crap yeah. um it was good. I I mean, it's 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 interesting because we definitely know that next this uh, next episode is going to officially be like this is season seven. This is the mm-hmm. season seven story. Mm-hmm. This is what we're focusing on, um, and stuff. So, yeah. I I mean, I I enjoyed it. I think I it's unfortunate that they couldn't have, um finished it like when they were planned to and stuff mm-hmm. and it's kind of in a weird spot but mm-hmm. yeah that's that's kind of my thoughts yeah um same same here it's definitely 
I liked it for the most part. Um, and it just, again, it, I, I do feel bad that they weren't able to kind of finish it. But, you know, now we get the official start to season seven. For real. So, yeah. Anyways, and on to our last thing for the day. Um, so we watched the Snyder Cut. We watched all four hours. All four hours Cut. and two minutes. Yeah. Um, overall, for me, I thought it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Um, it was obviously way, way better than um, um, Bleeper's Cut. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's way better than Bleeper's Cut. The performances were good. One standout being Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Also, yep. it really pissed off that they, um, that they cut out um, Joe Morton's death scene. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, Junkie XL's score is magnificent. I've been listening to it since the release of the film. It's just grand and epic and bombastic. And I'm just like, yeah. But it also kind of reminds me of, Mad- of the score from Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, especially with the drums and stuff. That mm-hmm. said, the cut did reinforce several issues uh, um, I have with Steiner's take on DC, um, such as mm-hmm. killing Superman off for the second movie, the tone, and just that. Also, this movie did not need to be four hours. It could have been easily two and a half to potentially three hours. Um, we also didn't need the nightmare scene with Leto, but that's just me. So... Yeah, we didn't need that scene. It was an interesting scene, and it was interesting to see Batman and Joker, this Batman and this Joker interact because we haven't gotten that yet. Mm-hmm. But I agree, we didn't. This movie was four hours, guys. It was four, four hours. Four hours. Four hours. I I enjoyed this movie. It was definitely it definitely made a lot more sense than the other version, like the mm-hmm. theatrical version. Yeah. This made this storyline wise made a lot more sense and it was better. Mm-hmm. There still was a lot they probably could have cut out that didn't really need to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was it dragged for too long. Because, like, if I start zoning out, then there's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that during some of the action scenes where it just kept going and going, and I'm just like, okay, I'll wait until dialogue starts, <laughs> um, and stuff. Um, but yeah, honestly, like the part that got me excited was Martian Manhunter coming in at the end. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I was excited. And I think, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think that was originally supposed to be on John Stewart Green Lantern, but the studio said uh, no. Oh, okay. But Martian yeah. Manhunter is still cool though. Mm-hmm. It's still dope. Yeah, no, I I, I dug Martian Manhunter, and I'm like, Jamie's gonna love this. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no, over. Yeah, no, overall, I mean, obviously I'm happy for Zach at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like regardless of how I feel about some, about some of his creative choices, I'm happy for Zach that he was finally able to complete this and put this to rest. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. that this will be getting a follow-up, although if it were to be getting a follow-up, I imagine that the situation, that Warners would probably be like, okay, you could do a follow-up, but it has to be standalone. And I don't know what the numbers are going to be like after this, but I am very... Yeah. Yeah, the positive reception of this has been interesting, but yeah, no, uh, for the most part... Yeah, most people say that it was... Most people have said that it is definitely better, like, the better movie, but mm-hmm. a lot of people have also said that it was too long. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, no, that, that was probably my only major criticism. Everything else was just nitpicks, but other than that, though, like, I think it worked, mm-hmm. um, and this kind of closes the Snyderverse chapter. I don't know. 
it's going to be really interesting, especially with we'll them now approaching the multiverse thing, the Flash mm-hmm. movie. If we're still doing Flashpoint for that, for that matter, I believe we are. But it's just it's a whole thing. But yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, that does it for our show today. Yep. So feel free to follow us on all our social media pages. We're on Twitter at Combo with Two Geeks. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. And also, if you like emailing us about anything from this episode, such as uh, your thoughts on the Snyderverse, Snyder Cut, or any of the shows we talked about, or anything, or the Oscars, um, or in our previous episodes, um, we're at conversationwith2geeks at gmail.com. We will leave a link to our Anchor homepage that has links to all of these in the show notes. All right. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Bye. Thank you.